0: You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face.
1: What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your
2: attention now? Yeah. For lack of a better word, it's
3: good.
0: You know what I mean?
2: Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal.
3: Wow. You're crazy. You know what it takes to so sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. i am fallen, and I can't get up. Hey!
4: All right, welcome to Money Never Sleeps. It's Monday, it's the Monday before Thanksgiving, and that means that politicians are not going to be seen until sometime next week. So it's status quo for now, as it relates to any headway uh, we would be making to avoid uh, slipping off that fiscal cliff. Um, the Dow closed up over two hundred points, which was decent, and uh, Nasdaq zipped over sixty-two. Now, uh, Apple over the past few trading sessions, they dipped down a bit. You know, there was a lot of talk. People were looking at, you know, for the stock to test the $500 mark. Uh, It came close. And those with vision, when that happened, uh, they were actually buying. Uh, Look, this is a company that has the potential in being the first trillion-dollar publicly traded company. uh, And this is going to probably happen in the the, uh, next uh, two or three years. Uh, The only thing that may stand in their way is Microsoft, and Microsoft definitely a diversified company. Uh, There are uh, a few that may say that it's seen its best days, but honestly, I think that the company is just warming up again. And this time around, they just may have that think tank that will be able to not only take advantage of a gap in the mobile unit uh, arena, snatching market from Apple because, you know, not everyone wants an iPhone. They want a Droid. They want something else. But they'll also, in my opinion, I think they'll be monetizing their current assets and definitely monetizing their current relationships. And I think that we're looking at a stock price for Microsoft that we won't see in a year or so. Uh, So my opinion is pretty uh, on on the cheap uh, side of things. Now, moving on. Today we are going to be talking about real estate and the fiscal cliff. Uh, our first two guests know a lot about real estate. That's why we're going to have them on the show. And, uh, look, this is their stock and trade. So without further ado, let's welcome David Gadet and Sam Kakembo K- K- of Orkso Homes to the show. <laughs> David, Sam, welcome to Money Never Sleeps. How are you guys?
2: Good, Lou. How's things? Great.
4: Pretty good. Thank you. I uh, Thank you for coming on the show, and you're going to uh, share with us some insight. Uh, why don't you let us know, or let our listeners know, a little bit about Oxo Homes?
5: All right. Well, uh, Oxo Homes is a Canadian-owned company, and one of our main things we do is we help snowbirds Um, buy properties in the states and we also expanded into buying and selling and buying and holding rental properties as well as Mm -hmm. it's um, it's so cheap to acquire these properties and rent them out so that's what we do right now and uh, it's it's really good right now it's the best time to be buying real estate
4: okay and you guys have been in this arena for a little bit now
0: Yes. Right. Yeah,
2: Yeah. absolutely, yeah. We're focused mainly right now in uh, in Florida, and also we're doing a lot of buy and holds and uh, a lot of different investor strategies in Atlanta right now as well. We've been in Atlanta for about a uh, year and a half now, and that's been a, a very lucrative market. A lot of people have kind of been jumping in there as of late, but we've been there for a while.
4: Okay, and now let, let me ask you this, guys. Um, with you... Uh, Kind of touching on different markets along the the northeast do you does that give you a good feel on what's happening now with everything that's happening here in the u s with uh, us facing this this uh, fiscal fiscal cliff and how it's going to impact everything but real estate is actually kind of jamming up now, so does this give you a better insight to what's happening uh in the, in the in the real estate market itself
2: i'm not oh. Overly concerned with the with the fiscal clip as far as real estate goes, I mean there's still a few uh lingering doubts as far as shadow inventory and things like that to see what 's really going to happen with prices if they do start to release these all this built up inventory um, that 's kind of got to depend. I know things are a little a little bit rough down there right now, but i 'm not overly concerned about it, especially with the strategies the strategies I should say that we have um, in place um that being said, of course, the economy is in a little bit rough. We're seeing sort of the same thing in Canada now too, with our housing markets starting to take a turn for the worst over the last little bit. But our uh, our strategies that we sort of deal with each investor on a on an individual basis. So we're sort of trying to prove ourselves against anything that has to do with the clip, anyways. Okay, and
4: you, I mean, you guys are involved in the investing end of things, but uh, some uh, reports came out uh, today, actually that we're showing more uh, owner-occupied or first-time home homebuyers uh, coming to the market and actually being able to uh, pull the trigger because uh, I guess the banks are loosening up a little bit. Um, does, that, does that help or does that hurt your type of business?
5: Actually, um, that's perfect for our business. Uh, we, a lot of our properties, what we'll do to give the homeowner some value is we'll do a three-year lease option there's 30 million people in the United States that want to buy right now, but because of their credit score, they cannot have access to funds. So if they're able to rent from us and then in three years purchase the property that they have been renting, it's a way of uh, rewarding them. So mm-hmm. it's actually great to see first-time homebuyers uh, in the market. And we haven't seen that um, for a while in Atlanta just because, um, I guess, right after the housing crash, people weren't excited. To get back mm-hmm. into real estate after they've been burned they're they're more uh, concerned about their net worth and just building their net worth and starting from scratch and renting there's going to be people who are renters for life now, but um, mm-hmm. there'll always be change, and so seeing the buyers come back is a great thing
4: and do you think it was a good thing um, in your opinion when uh, they when they kind of changed the um, I guess they kind of shifted the foreclosure proceedings? and they allowed people to actually you know, find out a way to stay in their home and live in their home and continue to own their home?
5: Definitely. With the prices rising, it caused, um, it caused people to be overleveraged. And here um, in Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada, we're allowed to borrow up to 39% of our monthly income to pay our mortgages. But on the west coast, you're allowed to pay up to 80% of your monthly income. So that's the way people over leverage. So in the States now that the numbers have come back uh, similar to the East coast of Canada, you can see, um, I guess the, the regulation is good, right? Um, a lot of people say that the market should be free and the, the buyers should be making the decisions, but sometimes um, the herds, you know, they follow. So to see that uh, the banks are loosening up the lending and also changing their mentality, so uh, not forcing foreclosures on people and giving them a chance to um, stay in their home because some people just bought at the right time or at the wrong time. Uh, they mm-hmm. did all the right things in life, and they just happened to buy in, say, 2006 or 2008 in that period, and mm-hmm. it ruined you know, their, their, uh, their finances. So right. you know, to give those people a second chance to stay in their home is, is amazing.
4: Well, do you think that, you know, when everything happened and the uh, financial crisis was upon us and a lot of foreclosures were happening, do you think it would it would have been better for the real estate market or for the economy, uh, the U.S. economy, if they allowed uh, just the foreclosure process just happen uh, naturally as it was happening, as you know, without the government intervention?
2: Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I think it probably would have been um that that's, i think the the real major bane on the housing market was the massive amount of foreclosures because thats just it- can, well as as we know the the economy sort of works cyclically, so once you have media coming in talking about all the foreclosures and all the uh, you know currency problems then now nowadays eurozone problems, it all sort of makes a sort of a perfect storm for the recession as we saw. 'Cause once everybody starts mm-hmm. hearing about doom and gloom, about foreclosures and there's now, you know, there was five hundred thousand more foreclosures from this time. Last year, sort of news, then people start to get worried, people stop spending money, and that's when recessions happen, of course.
4: Mm-hmm. So
2: I think so I think the the, the massive amount of foreclosures that, that we hadn't seen before, of course it did it did hurt. But um I think they're starting to come around a little bit now. Um, they're also in certain ways making things a little bit more investor friendly because I think, and a lot of people feel like investors are going to be the, the main um, main people to help the economy come back, especially in the real estate market.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, you're 100% right about that because at the end of the day, any investor that's in the market, they're looking to profit. <laughs> okay. And I think, you know, at least here in the States, that one of the big concerns is if they start to raise the. Uh, the capital gains tax okay because that does impact people whether it's in the stock market real estate you know you make a gain instead of paying X percentage and now you're paying a lot more so that um, that could be a um, that can be a, that can probably have a negative impact uh, on investors coming in small investors you know and even large investors hedge funds and things of that nature because hedge funds are definitely involved in real estate and you, you probably run oh, across a lot of
2: them. Oh, hedge funds are essentially trying to take over the real estate now. Um, there's just we're seeing hedge funds, uh, some of the larger ones spending, I believe, is something like a hundred million dollars a month now on on single family homes. Like that's a quota that they have to reach. So the the average investor is going to have a difficult time um, keeping up with with changes in inventory, and and going against competition like hedge funds. Then you have companies that have you know billions of dollars mm-hmm. to spend it's tough to to compete with, but we're actually lucky in a sense where we have um ability to connect with various hedge funds that we can do business with so we can sort of help employ those in our investment strategies as well. but like I said, hedge funds are absolutely gonna become the the dominant force in in real estate in the next even the next coming months and years absolutely.
4: No, I mean, yeah, of course. If they have the money, then they can do things and, and make moves that uh, smaller investors can't. Um, but you know, I, I would, I would believe that if banks have inventory and they're holding back, uh, if they wanted to pull the trigger and liquidate, they can easily just pick up the phone and you know call one of these uh, fund managers and say, hey, this is what we have. This is this is uh, what, what we have on uh, on tap. Uh, do you want it and buy it in, in bulk?
5: Yes, and the banks. The banks with inventory um, at the beginning of the, the crash, they didn't know what to do. They had never had such a large inventory of houses. So mm-hmm. when you were looking at foreclosures, you would see them, they were, they were all a wreck. Um, they, they didn't board up the houses because it looks bad in the neighborhood, but boarding up a house is actually um, a great way to, to conserve it because when a house is vacant, it can clear, like it can quickly deteriorate. So now that they have um, teams in place, property managers that come in and you know winterize these homes and make sure that they maintain the value, they can go and turn around and sell them. And that was the big problem was they didn't have a, a way to liquidate the homes. They were kind mm-hmm. of uh, I guess lagging behind, and the investors mm-hmm. saw a, an opportunity, but dealing with the banks was tough. So now that the banks, uh, it's it's a way of a way to survive, right? If you don't inventory off, you can't Mm -hmm. lend uh, or you can't borrow money. And uh, that was Mm -hmm. one of the things that the president did, right? He's finding the banks that are sitting on inventory and they are being penalized for having these homes because they can't count them as assets on their balance sheets anymore. They're liabilities. Right.
4: Right. And Uh, that, that, that impacts their bottom line.
5: Yes. And now it's making them the biggest motivated sellers in the United States where before... It was people trying to short sale their homes now it's the banks
4: yeah and look there's, there's definitely no shortage of investors or you know home buyers in the market they're there waiting they're waiting for a deal oh, they're waiting for the right situation for them you know so um I, I don't think it's a matter of the lack of buyers i think as as you said you know, the banks becoming motivated sellers, that, that's the key thing. Because if they're not motivated to sell, they can hold on to it and sit on it until the market comes back. But that doesn't help anyone.
2: Well, that's exactly right. and that's, that's, that's the main point, I think, of the, of the, um, the administration requiring them to, uh, to loosen up a little bit on getting rid of the properties. Because if they want to sit back and hold on to hundreds of thousands of properties each that they now have, and it's not a big deal on their balance sheet if that was the case, then things would get would get ugly quick because if they're gonna hold on those until prices shoot back up then there's gonna be there's gonna
5: be a lot more issues absolutely yes and that that yeah. will also lead into another yeah. issue um a housing crisis there is so much population growth and very little construction right now because there's no lending to uh construction and you know like the homes we're buying. An example a home we're buying between $25 a square foot to $35 a square foot. The cost to build being 80 to $100 a square foot. Uh, it's not a, it's not something that the contractors are, they're going to jump into building single-family homes right now until the area can actually support their costs. So if right. the bank sits on right. these homes and sits on them vacant, well, all the people that have vacated the homes, they're moving in with family. Right? and they're trying to uh, save money for a few years, but eventually they have to move back out. On top of that, um, there's a population growth, and you know they're going to be expecting 400 million people um, by the next 10 years. So if all of these people don't have a place um, to stay, other than with family or you know, cramping multiple families under one area, that's going to drive the rent prices up. So uh, releasing this inventory is something that has to happen. Uh, to, to maintain the current markets
4: well well, let me ask you this you know with with everything that has transpired let's say over the past you know six months or so, and you know of course you know the banks having to to move they have to move inventory in order to loosen up the market somewhat uh, you know uh, lending regulations i mean i mean the, the rules that are in place aren't I mean, maybe now they're starting to help. You know these first-time home buyers to come into the market and actually do something. Um, but do you think that the the states themselves, the individual states here in the United States, that they're they're able to step in and, and do something because they they do have a say in what what happens, don't they?
5: Yeah, the states. Uh, each state, and we've noticed a difference um, in Atlanta to promote. Having investors come and buy these properties, like they have a problem the in inner city of Atlanta where the houses, the homes are old. And if you go outside of the inner city and go into the suburbs, you can buy you know homes that are 10 years old, and you're buying them for $50,000, and you can rent them out for say $1,000 a month. In inner city, the investors were very picky and they did not want to buy there. So what they did was. Um, the state gave you a 10-year tax abatement where you won't pay property taxes for 10 years. and It's on a sliding scale, and it kind of goes up a little bit mm-hmm. every year. And when that happened, you saw all of the investors pile into certain zip codes where they started designating these, uh, they call them enterprise zones, right. and that has stimulated growth in the inner cities. And when the investors come in and they're fixing up the streets and or fixing up the houses and bringing you know, quality tenants into the neighborhoods, it's a great thing um, to help change a community. And also Mm -hmm. all of that money can be uh, taxed, right? They're going to tax the income of the investors, and Mm -hmm. that will help pay uh, for more improvements in the city.
4: And I think that's important because a lot of people are under the misconception that the federal government, they can loosen up money and everything's going to be great. You know, you can loosen up money, but if you're not getting incentives from the individual counties and uh, individual states, it's a little hard uh, to actually have the improvement because, you know, if, if you look at a market like New York, New York is New York. California is Cal- California. You can't know, you can't, design- can't kind of compare the rest of the United States to big markets like that. You have other markets that, uh, you know, need incentives from the states.
5: Definitely. Uh, one of the things we looked at was uh, going into New York, and the, the biggest question we get, is rent control. You know, if I'm a landlord, what uh, what is what is the issues I'm going to run into with rent control if I have a tenant and I can't evict them? And so that will kind of stop investors from buying in that area if they're not knowledgeable on the topic. But rent control is only in a small amount of areas. It's not in the whole state of New York, right? Mm-hmm. So, in uh, you know, a lot of investors will say, well, listen, I can go into Georgia or Florida because... I have more protection. It's more of an investor-friendly uh, state. And so for the states to even change simple things like that can change an investor's mind you know, overnight. And they can mm-hmm. say, okay, now I'm going to move my portfolio from, say, a little bit from Florida, and I'm going to go into New York because I know that I'm, my money is safe. And, uh, yeah, so there's there's so many ways to make it um, attractive for a market. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just have to look into the creative ways of building the economy it's not all about making the banks lend but all about making it fair for the tenants and the investors at the same time so there's a there's a happy balance
4: right now look president obama he got reelected okay and that uh a lot of people they had major concerns about a lot of different things my my i guess my question uh with that to you do you think that him being reelected had a positive or did it have a negative impact on the real estate market moving forward into 2013?
5: The way the market is moving right now, um there's a lot of change. Like there's a there's a lot of change right now. So for investors, one of the things like Fannie Mae, if you were buying a home from Fannie Mae, which is now government owned there was Mm -hmm. a deed restriction on when you could sell that home and how much profit you were allowed to make off that home. Uh, Recently, there's been a waiver. So investors, there's a lot of investors who are just wholesalers, so they're acquiring Mm -hmm. these properties and and selling them to funds and selling them to uh, firms like us. And it was limiting their, uh, I guess, their inventory turnover because they had to wait 90 days to six months depending on the deed restriction on these homes. So one of the things that has been lifted is that deed restriction to allow inventory to come out at a faster pace. So um, the way the way it was working for us, we we didn't have any issues getting inventory. So uh, for him to be reelected, it just keeps us on the same path for the next four years. To have uh, a change in in power, I guess you could say, we would just kind of have to sit and wait and adjust our strategy to the new changes that are happening. So for us, it just keeps things a status quo. um, Mm -hmm. And we're going to see whether if, you know, whether the prices come back up and how fast the housing market uh, rebounds.
4: Okay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, and a lot of people had different opinions on uh, his, him being reelected. And, you know, my opinion, I believe, you know, when president Obama came into office, it was uh, the wrong time, wrong situation. He came in at a, at a time he faced adversity through the nose, uh, but him being reelected... yeah, I don't, I don't that, know if
2: there's ever been another president that's that's came into a situation quite like him. He inherited just yeah. about as is rough of a situation that that you that anybody has seen in a situation. Um, as far as economy goes, and of course, the real estate was you know one of the huge factors in the economy um, the wars, you know, everything, it was, it was definitely a bad time, but so for, as as Sam was saying, for him to, um, to be still in, still in office, I think it's not, um, it's not a big deal for us as far as, as real estate goes, things are just going to kind of continue to coast along for people like us, um, had Mitt Romney been elected, uh, there would have been changes, of course, the, the, the stock market would have, would have felt it, and, um, in turn everything feels it a little bit in the economy when there's a shift like that so you know we'll we'll just continue trucking along instead of having to wade through uh wade through the changes
4: and, and i think one of the biggest <laughs> issues with uh you know president obama being re- reelected is this fiscal cliff but once and we we will get through it we will they will figure it out there's no way that they're not going to figure it out um, they will figure it out, and it's going to be a little late in the game. But they will figure it out, and once that happens, at least for your business, it kind of, it, it 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 allows you not to have to shift. Because if you shift and and if you're three four years in to doing something, you have to shift and change. It can actually uh, have an adverse effect to your to your bottom line.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, one of one of the keys to being in real estate. Um, especially where we are in multiple markets around around the nation, one of the keys to be successful is to be able to adapt definitely so I think investors as a as kind of a type of person are usually fairly adaptable to change but you 're right uh something like the fiscal cliff is and you guys are coming right down to the wire there 's no question about that they're uh, they are a little late in the game, like you said, but if something like that is to uh is to not get fixed soon, then, yeah, we're definitely going to have to, uh, to adapt a little bit. Going to be some changes put into the investment strategies for sure.
4: Yeah, well, cause I, as, I, as we are talking about, and every, everyone's talking about it on every show, every news program, every financial news program, wherever, the papers, you know, so all the fiscal cliff, it, the people are in this panic mode because they think, oh, you're going you're gonna to fall off and no one's going to save us. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, politicians have an obligation. OK, to follow through with this, they have an obligation to figure this out, because it's not about Democrats, Republicans, it's not about that. Forget about, you know, what party you belong to. Get down to business because you get hired uh, and, and you do get hired. You get elected, but you're getting hired to get to, to, like, to speak for the people, do for the people. So you have to do your job. And if you're not doing your job, then you shouldn't be in office, and that's my
2: opinion. Exactly. First and foremost, yeah, that's right. That's, well, that's why you're there in the first place. People feel you can do the job and get in there and do the job. That's exactly right.
4: Yeah, you're getting paid a few hundred thousand dollars, yep. You better do your job.
2: <laughs> you're <doing> right. <laughs> exactly. You
4: well, know? yeah, we're not going to see anything and any uh, dramatic change between now and mid-next week. You know, it's, it's Turkey Day uh, here in the States. Uh, on Thursday, and I really – there's nothing really going to happen because, all, as I said earlier, all the politicians, they're uh, they, they're heading home. They're going to enjoy the holiday, and hopefully next week, you know, uh, they'll start to get to work and really get to work and tri- figure this out because, you know, look, I'm a Republican, but at the end of the day, this has nothing to do with your, your party affiliation. You know, you have to stand behind the president. I want him to perform. I want him to do fantastic. I want him to show the resilience that uh, that this country has. You know, and you guys being in the real estate uh, realm, I mean, that's going to actually, him performing benefits you in a big way because the economy boosts up. People have more money to go uh, to go buy houses and invest and do these type of things, and it just increases the value of the properties that you already own.
5: Definitely. Um, one of the things we want to see is the, the United States come back as well. Um, being, you know, I guess the little brother of the United States, a lot of our exports, 70% of our exports is to the United States. So when the economy slows down there, it slows down here and it also around the world, right? There's multiple countries that are in trade with the United States that depend on the, the bounce back right? And we're all, I guess everyone's waiting. There's a lot of people on the sidelines as well when it comes to investors that are kind of, they're looking to see what's going to happen. And the big thing that changes uh, markets is the the buyer mentality. Most of our our countries are consumer-based, right? So if the only people investing right now in real estate are investors, it is tough to turn a whole market because the investors have to take every house one by one and fix it themselves. Now, 2004 to 2006, when all of the the boom was about, you know, no money down and you can buy a house and make money flipping houses, it wasn't just investors in the market, right? It was, it was people buying houses for their first time and fixing them and selling them. Now, it was a little bit too much, but mm-hmm. when the consumer mentality changes where, they, where people believe, okay, it is a good investment to buy a home. Right, and they talk to their friends, and their friends say it's a good investment to buy a home. It's going to change the whole mentality of the country, and that's mm-hmm. when everything is going to come back. So we're waiting on that as well um, because the investors can't do it all themselves. Right, like well, a lot of investors just- will make money, but you know we 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 win as a team, we lose as a team. Right, so it's, it's the same mentality yeah, that way.
4: No, I, I agree with you. You know, look, pride and ownership is a key thing. You build that pride, more people own, build the economy. And I guess one of the big things here is job creation. And uh, once they start doing that, then more people will have the ability to actually get the home. So there are a lot of components here. But I think all of these, all of these components, if half of them go in the right direction, you know, then it's actually going to help the economy in a big way. Now, uh, Sam and David, uh, what I want to do, I have uh, Dave Breton with DJB Business Brokers out of Florida. On the, uh, he's he's on hold. He's going to come on the show, and I want to get his input uh, on because he's involved in real estate and uh, the business aspects of uh, you know small business. So I want to get his input. So I'm going to bring him on the show, and uh, you know let's uh, let's see if we can get a, a, a different view, or it may it may be the same view that you guys have. Uh, David, welcome to the show. you. Yeah. Uh, you there? you with us, David?
1: Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Oh
4: yes, yes. You're on you're on the show with uh with Sam uh Kakembo and David Gadet uh out of from AXO uh homes. And uh you know, why don't you give us your input on, on the the state of real estate now?
1: Uh, well the state the state of real estate there's two different uh two different aspects in the uh territory that I'm working in in the Tampa Bay uh Saint Petersburg market. Um, there really seems to be a shift and in an influx that's going from the residential to commercial side. And um, you're, you're seeing a lot of, on the commercial side when it's in, 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 entitled with uh, businesses that are uh, a, a going concern uh, within the property. Um, it, it, you're, you're seeing almost like a, a, lending, a lending freeze on the business side where they're only getting lent on the hard assets. So though we do have, we are seeing some pickup in uh the uh s b a s and the s b a seven a programs uh there's still there still seems to be um um a, a tighter standard on the on the conventional lending from a, from the local local banks on that standpoint It seems like the residential side in the tampa saint petersburg market is is picking up um so that, that's that that's getting a little bit better um but the commercial side is still uh still a little bit um um, tight at this point, and then on a, a whole uh, macroeconomic scale, we're seeing. Um, I, I think this is a pretty much a theme across across uh, the, the U. Uh, S. Not just in Tampa, but it, it seems that a lot of people are in a wait and wait and see mentality as we're approaching the fiscal cliff, and um, where it seemed like there was a lot of uh, people ready to uh, pull the trigger. Um when uh everything was status quo uh you know with uh with the re election um of Obama. We we ju- we just saw everybody kinda kinda freeze a lot of their plans uh until we see what happens in the first quarter of two thousand three.
4: Uh, are you seeing the same thing, uh David and Sam?
5: Absolutely. Definitely I, um yeah. yeah, we we were definitely seeing that because uh just talking to our networks all over the country and they were they were all talking about, yes, you should wait, you know, park your money until the election, and then we're we'll devise up a strategy for you know the next year so now that it's now that it's passed, you know we have we have four years to to look forward to, and we ha- we can set our strategies into what we're going to do, right how are we going to find lending uh, what is our exit strategy so everything is for us, it stayed the same, right? And if it was opposite, we might have had to sit down and say, "Okay, now here's a new strategy that we need to look at, and maybe we have to look at new cities and start doing research all over again." So, for us as investors, yes, we were uh, we were waiting and seeing what the results of this election was going to be, and you know, now we can con- continue as is. Hey, uh Lou, one of
1: the, one of the things that uh, is. That we're seeing on a almost on a hyper speed, um, but uh, time is going to run out. Uh, this is more on the uh, small business cycle versus uh, straight real estate. But uh, for those that are lucky enough to have the uh, capital gains on the sale of a business, we're seeing a lot of people that are uh, really trying to get out before the uh, before December 31st. So they're going to be um, uh, accompanied to uh, this year's capital gains rate. Versus uh, capital rank, gains rates going into 2013. Uh, more importantly than that is any any sale um, is depending on how their corporate strategy and corporate structure uh, encompass is uh, when when a sale of a business is happening. Th- those funds, though, is, it could be owned by a mom and pop local local business owner. Those are actually funneled into a corporation and then those are dispersed out. So some of those are going to be on a dividend dividend um, um, uh, rate, and with those taxes going up too, we're seeing a rush rush for the exits for the people that can actually get out um, before 2013. And then for people that are trying to buy in, it's almost like a perfect storm that's happening because the people that have the capital that are looking to get in are waiting to see what happens in 2013. And then on the sell Mm -hmm. side, you're seeing people that are trying to get out before the tax the tax hikes uh, uh, go in and it, it's really a factor whether it's mainstream business uh, lower uh, lower middle market and then you know middle market is a, is a different uh, uh, a different metric altogether but you're you're kind of seeing that same uh caveat play out throughout the entire u s just with the um, with, with just the tax rates that are you know mm-hmm. coming coming into play in 2013.
4: Yeah, and that's something we're definitely we're going to talk about in, in the next segment, David. Uh, we're going to keep you on the show because I want to I want to touch on that perfect storm because I think that's uh, an extremely important part of what's going on now because it's not just you don't just have one component. It's not just you know everybody you know having nowhere to hide you know because you have people that will go and take advantage of certain opportunities. Some people will shift into other opportunities, so there are a lot of things that will be going on as people speculate uh, to what's going to happen. So um, the, uh, the other ahead. thing,
0: the other
1: thing, the other thing, very, very, um, very, very broad stroke, but a lot of the small business owners, um, and when I mean small business owners, I mean revenues under a million, uh, the local local mom and pop uh, pizza shop, deli, restaurants, things of that nature. Um, they're they're fear. Feeling a lot of the uh, uh, poor, poor prices um, of uh, their cost of goods are going up. So, you know, a, a crate of you know a pound of beef is is much more expensive now than it was a year ago. But they don't have the pricing power on the end on the end part to the consumer where they can raise it because the discretionary funds on the consumer end aren't as high. So you're seeing a real squeeze happen on the small business owner, and when you put that into play with Tight lending standards and you know increased uh, corporate corporate and gov- government uh, regulation—it's uh, a real squeeze on these entrepreneurs. So you know, I, you know, I want to give a shout out to all the small business owners and entrepreneurs that are that are out there. Uh, it seems like they're fighting an uphill battle. Uh, this is this is when the true true character of that entrepreneur and what makes this this country great. And uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's nice to see that 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 uh, that spirit that's still alive.
4: No, I, I agree with you 100%, David, uh, but I want you to hang on there because we're going to bring you out to the next segment. Uh, David and Sam, you know, uh, your, your input on, on the real estate market, you know, was, was definitely informative. You know, what, what is your next move? Before we go to break, uh, what is your next move? What are you guys going to do as we uh, head into 2013 with everything that, that's, a, that's upon us, uh, with everything in flux right now?
2: Uh, I think we're going to stay basically the same as what we're doing right now. We're also going to try to get into more multi-unit activity. Definitely, that's always kind of a safe haven for your money—apartment um, complexes, things of that nature. As well as, as I mentioned earlier in the show, as well is um, really join the forces with some of the larger head funds that we have connections with. As as we discussed earlier, we we can't beat them, so we might as well join them, right? So that's kind of going to be the focus when they as they start to take over. Um, large parts of the real, invest, real estate investing market. Um, we team up with them, and we keep getting the returns that that our investors need.
4: Okay, that, that's that's great. You know, so uh, I think I think that you you have a, a plan that's going to work for you guys. I have, I have no doubt about that. Uh, can you just let our listeners know how they can find out more about you? Because uh, you may have you know people out there that may you know they may have a question or they may want to do business with you. So why don't you just share Absolutely, out your yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's um uh, That's a u x o homes dot com. That's a website you can send us an email there, um, to info at oxohomes.com. Um, that's that's a great website to uh, for people to visit just to get some more information on what we do. It's a great it's got some great tools and resources on there to really educate people how to make money through real estate investing and what their options are to uh, to make money with us. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Oxo Homes, and we have a toll free number that they can call anytime. That number is one eight 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 five three five two eight. And they can call at any time, and somebody will be happy to talk with them.
4: Okay, great. Uh, David, Sam, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, David Baton, stay with us. We want to bring you into the next segment. Uh, But David and Sam, thank you for coming on the show. It was informative. And and i like to have you back on because as uh, things change, as we, we move forward, things are going to change, and it's going to impact your business. There's no doubt about it. Because you know, uh, when it comes to the finances here in the states, it's going to impact the uh, the small guy, which impacts uh, real estate uh, first time owners. So uh, we want to bring you on and get your feedback.
2: Absolutely, let's stay in touch. That'd be great. Thank you very okay, much. Okay,
4: great. Th- thank you so much, guys. And we're going to take a quick break, right, Luke. and we're going to we're going to be back with uh, John Denis. Uh, He's going to be our special guest coming up, and we're going to stay with uh, David Bitton of DJB Business Brokers, and we'll be right back.
0: The Palestinian civilian death toll is mounting Monday after Israeli aircraft struck the Gaza Strip. At least four people were killed, 42 injured, up to 15 more are missing. The airstrikes are an attempt to crush militant rocket fire from Gaza that's been hitting Israeli civilians. President Obama is encouraging Myanmar to continue its transition to democracy.
3: Let us remember that in a global economy, a country's greatest resource is its people. So by investing in you, this nation can open the door for far more prosperity, because unlocking a nation's potential depends on empowering all its people, especially its young people. This nation that's been so isolated can show the world the power of a new beginning and demonstrate once again. That the journey to democracy goes hand in hand with development. I say this knowing that there are still countless people in this country who do not enjoy the opportunities that many of you seated here do. There are tens of millions who have no electricity. There are prisoners of conscience who still await release. There are refugees and displaced peoples in camps where hope is still something that lies on the distant horizon. Today I say to you and I say to everybody, that can hear my voice, that the United States of America is with you, including those who have been forgotten, those who are dispossessed, those who are ostracized, those who are poor. We carry your story in our heads and your hopes in our hearts.
0: Hostess Brands will be in a New York bankruptcy courtroom to start the process of selling itself Hostess is the maker of Wonder Bread, Ding Dongs, and Ho Ho's, and its Twinkies alone have brought in $68 million in revenue so far this year.
2: Unfortunately, yes, it started as a reorganization and today moved to a liquidation because we simply could
4: not uh, get enough workers to come off the picket lines to return to work and restore no- uh, normal operations.
5: So the value of the company with no debt, with all of its debt wiped clean, which is basically what we're talking about when we're talking about you know coming out of bankruptcy court, um, probably could be in the billion-dollar range. This time next year, you'll be able to go in and most likely be able to buy your Twinkies and your, you know, uh, other Hostess products.
0: Butterball Turkey Talk Line, how can I help you? And when that phone rings and we say good morning, Butterball Turkey Talk Line, how can I help you? We don't know what we're going to get, but it's always a joy to answer those questions. because many people really feel like they've planned well and they've got everything down, and all of a sudden, there's stove breaks. You know, all kinds of things can happen. You know, you just name it. We could, we could not have a list of every call that we get because it's just so such a wide variety, which makes it fun for us, too. Funny call. Probably um, a gentleman wanted to saw a turkey, and he wasn't sure exactly where to set the dial for sawing the turkey. And I said, the dial on what? I thought maybe he was going to try it in the oven. He had it wrapped around He had, a, a wrap, he had wrapped around the turkey in an electric blanket, and he wanted to know how to, where to set it down. I said, oh my goodness, have, have you turned it on yet? No, he said he hasn't. So I said, take it out of the blanket, put it in a large sink or tub of cold water, and that 12-pound turkey will thaw in cold water in six hours. So we saved the day. He can cook the turkey, but he was in a hurry. And now today we have Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, and then you can go live chat uh, through the thebutterball.com. Even this year, we have a Butterball app. So we are so contemporary. First mother in law, the, the mother in law coming over for the first time, and she wants to do, you know, really impress her, and she's scared to death of how to do it. And we've had them where they've been calling from the back room, you know, because trying to make sure that they're doing the right thing. So we're largely hand holders for people who are maybe cooking their first turkey. And that could be at age 19 and they're away at college with friends who aren't going home for the holiday, or it could be somebody 79 years old who's cooking their first turkey. Home sales activity was at an annual pace of $4.8 with a median home price of 187000 That's up 9.5% from the same time last year. According to Freddie Mac, the national average rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage fell to 3.49%, a new historic low.
4: All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps, and we are here with uh, David Baton of DJB Business Brokers. He's, he uh, slid into the next segment because we were talking about the uh, the perfect storm, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on that uh, really briefly, and then we're gonna bring on uh, John Donest. Um But you know we we just uh, you just heard about Hostess, the Hostess situation. Look, in my opinion, no matter what happens uh, to the company, it's you know its brands will definitely live on. We have seen that in everything from food and beverage, to even the tech sector. Uh, case in point: uh, look at Circuit City. They went bankrupt. They went out of business. Someone picked up the brand, and now they turned it into an on- online re- re- uh, retailer, and they're uh, flourishing. So, uh, with that said, uh, David, uh, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps. Uh, you know, let's talk about that perfect storm.
1: Uh- Boy, you just want to start off on a good note. Perfect storm, right oh, away. All right.
4: Definitely, Let's right definitely. To...
1: <laughs> Let's get right to the fun stuff. Let's um, get to it. <laughs> get, yeah, the, uh, um, all kidding aside, uh, the, the the perfect storm. We're, we're in a we're in a definitely a, um, a very unique point uh, in in business in America right now. Um, and what I mean by that is we're seeing core prices on. Um, uh, goods and services go up, um, but the pricing power on the end on the end unit um, isn't. You're not seeing an acceleration to to be met on that point. So the the small business owner and entrepreneurs in a, a, a lot of the spectrum, especially on the main street businesses, your local pizza shops, your local restaurants, the ones where you go in and you know the owner's name, they're getting squeezed on the middle. Um, and what we're seeing is we're seeing tightening lending standards core prices going up the the, the end and and um end user is not uh, absorbing that retail markup at this point um we're also seeing where the the um the capital gains and dividend rates are going to be going up in 2013 so there's though there are um uh, people that want to enter the market there's a lot of fear that's going in. So you, you put all these together, and it's almost like the entrepreneur, small business owner's worst enemy, worst time right now, just um, encompassing fear, uncertainty, higher taxes, higher cost of goods, and it can't be passed on to the end consumer because a lot of that discretionary money from the the, 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 the local consumer isn't there to uh, to offset that cost. So that's that's why I think we're... Um, on a Main Street market, we're seeing a perfect storm.
4: Okay, and what? And in your opinion, you know, because I know we, I know you have to go in a second. I just want your opinion on this. What could be done to uh, to help that situation or avoid um, it?
1: Well, it, you, Lou, you, you know that like just just like you, a, a lot of our backgrounds, you know, Wall Street, and mm-hmm. I think that. You know, I believe in the entrepreneur spirit. I believe in the um the, the 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 heart of it. And it seems like every time we come to this type of crossroads where it, it almost feels like the world's ending, what happens is when 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 America is forced into a corner, they they come up with something great, whether it was the industrial revolution or the information age, a lot of people right now are thinking we're gonna start going into new energy or nanotechnology. So to to specifically answer your question, I think it's going to be some type of new market that that generates an influx of of different types of jobs because it's not the same jobs that are going to be created as we go forward. If you just think about where we're at now, um, just in your everyday life compared to where we were um, as a society three, four years ago. It's almost night and day. Um, it, just I mean, simple stuff as far as uh, how business is done to from social media marketing. I mean, that something as simple as that has had a dramatic, dramatic impact um, on advertising. Just uh, look at advertising budgets. So I mean, something as simple as that, but I think we're, we're starting to go into so many new fields that are that are um, entering our market. I think that is going to be the solution where, uh, you know, some people might still be looking at or some politicians might still be looking at creating jobs in the same same fields that, unfortunately, a lot of businesses, I mean, they go in cycles. So some of those mm-hmm. are phasing out just through technology, and we're seeing, you know, a resurgence in, uh, you know, new and exciting uh, markets. I, I think that's the answer to your question.
4: Okay. All right. Thank you. That's fair enough. Um, Now, David, I I know you, again, as I said earlier, you have to go. Why don't you let our listeners know how they can find out more about you, how they can reach out to you? Because I'm sure you may have people that want to contact you that, you know, in in your neck of the woods that may have a question or may want to do business with you.
1: Sure. Um, The the best way is uh, just visit our website is djbbusiness.com um if you uh google djb business on any of the social uh websites we're on all of them um and um, we're on a lot of different uh um uh websites and blogs it's just a matter of you know what your forte is that you like but uh if you just google our name or the easiest way is just go to our website they all link into it once again that's www.djbbusiness.com all our contact information is there we're available um uh, video chat, uh, chat emails. Um, if you have a cell phone, you can get in touch with us.
4: Okay. Excellent. David, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, giving your insight. Uh, we're going to bring you on definitely, you know, uh, you know, for future shows to give your insight because you, def you, you have a, a view of small business that we need at this time. Uh, with everything that's going on, uh, but I want you to have a safe trip. You know, I know you're driving out of New York, so have uh, up to New York or however that works from where you're from.
1: <laughs> uh, so when, I, when, I, safe... when I get when I get up there, make sure you save me five minutes so we can, uh, you know, uh, share share yeah. a coffee.
4: Yeah, I'll give you ten. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but have, have a safe trip, my friend, and uh, and have a happy Thanksgiving. And again, we'll we'll bring you back on, okay?
1: Sounds great. Thanks, Lou. Have, have a right. good
4: Thanksgiving. Bye bye. Thank you. Thanks. All right. With that said, we are going to be uh, talking about the fiscal cliff that we're facing. We're going to get some insight from uh, the CEO of REO Capital, John Dines. John, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you very much, Lou, for having me. Oh
4: well, well, thank you for coming on. Now we had John before. You gave gave some great insight. Uh, you're going to be a regular on Money Never Sleeps, which is fantastic. Uh, we're honored for that. Um, you know, as, as we've been talking about throughout the whole show is the, the fiscal cliff, how it impacted real estate and how it in, impacted small business. But it's impacting everyone, hedge funds, everyone, you know, uh, look, President Obama. Uh, i look at him i'm like he's like tom brady of the new england patriots it kills me you know just when you think that down and out all of a sudden out of nowhere some houdini stuff comes in uh some magic happens and they put an additional 21 points on the board um and obama you know he has some magic we just don't know what it is uh so what's your your input on uh what's going on with uh obama being reelected and the fiscal cliff well
6: you're you're absolutely right lou about a Its effects because it's going to affect everyone who receives um, uh, capital gains from from dividends, to to CEOs who are are looking at uh, at cuts uh, and holding back investments, to uh, increased taxes in uh, uh, not only from Obamacare but but increased taxes. Uh, in your payroll increased taxes uh and um, uh, just a, the um, average amount of uh, ordinary income taxes you 're paying uh, mm-hmm. it it 's going to be very painful for uh many people to endure over this next uh, four years and uh frankly uh, I guess uh, my take on it is that that i 'm i 'm stunned that um with the, the track record that president obama has ran on that uh, that he could not have been beat by uh the gop and uh, uh i think uh, uh bill o'reilly uh said it very uh, very clearly um you know that and and, and romney also alluded to it by uh, in that in that secret tape video where he alluded to the fact that 47% of all Americans believe that the government um, needs to take care of them. And and, uh, they indicated on the news that 70% of Asians voted for Obama, um, uh, 90% of all African Americans voted for Obama, and uh, Latinos, 90% of all Latinos. And and O'Reilly said that this has become... Um, The society of entitlements that that, that Mm -hmm. more than 50% of Americans now believe that uh, the government needs to take care of them and that they knew Mm -hmm. Obama was going to be the president that was going to give them stuff and Mm -hmm. that Romney was going to make cuts and therefore it was an easy, easy decision for those minority groups to vote for someone who is going to Uh, Give out more entitlement. Uh, Let's face it, the Mm -hmm. Obama administration has gotten a 32 percent increase on food stamps and 70 percent increase on welfare.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you a question, John. Those entitlements, you know, those that those entitlements are on the chopping block because something has to give. You know, you can't have full all these entitlements happening. And I think, uh, oh my God, what what, what is what is the the deficit on that, it's, what is it, $500 billion? You know, there has to be, something has to give. Something has to give one right. way or the other. And I think Obama, right. you know, right, I mean, he's in a lame duck session right now, but he needs to actually do something. Because I, I said this earlier, politicians, they're hired by the people to do for the people to do the right thing. No matter If it hurts, it hurts. You've got to do the right thing for the right. country. Because this is hurting right. the country.
6: Right. The, the fiscal cliff would raise taxes by by uh, some uh 800 billion and unfortunately um, so far tech uh spending cuts have only been approximately 100 billion mm-hmm. so we 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 need to not only offset that uh increase in revenue with some spending cuts and that's that deal has not been worked out yet and and that's the real Issue behind the financial cliff. We we have mm-hmm. to have revenues, but we also have to have spending cuts.
4: Yeah, because if you increase the revenues, is that paying for the entitlements? And then how are you having growth?
6: Exactly, GDP yeah. is, is 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 bound to fall, and um, already several CEOs, according to the Wall Street Journal, have said that they have uh, made contingency plans for layoffs and prepared for sharp economic contraction. Which is going to hold back investments,
4: mm-hmm. and right now we're about, we're just under 40, 42 days uh, until we go over that uh, that that virtual. It can be a realistic fiscal cliff. Uh, a lot of things happen, you know. If they don't come to to terms, if they don't figure this out, you know, it, it's interesting. Out of the, the Department of Education, they they they're going to get hit with a lot of a lot of cuts in their budget to the tune of about four billion dollars. And that includes correct. student aid. So that actually correct help that actually hurts us as as a nation because you need education. You get educated, build, and become on you know, if you have that entrepreneurial spirit, you, you get it you get educated, you're contributing to the economy. Okay, you know, two million jobs in jeopardy uh doesn't seem like growth to me.
6: Right. And and of course um you know, they want to make large spending cuts on defense, and that is mm-hmm. opposed by the GOP. And, and uh, there there needs to be some compromise. And according to Forbes, they said, certainly the fiscal cliff can be avoided, but it simply involves Congress and White House coming to terms on a deal that would extend the Bush tax cuts for some or all, along with the possibility of extending some tax relief to payroll tax cuts as well. And at the same time, parties need to work on an agreement about how to lower the deficit without throwing the economy into a tailspin.
4: Well, Bobetta said he was he was open for that, and he said he, you know, that we, we needed Obama to be the leader at this point, be the leader that this country needs. And right. the entitlements, and, and, everything, you have to cut what you need to cut. Even if it's painful, you have to do it.
6: Right. Right, and and I think that B- Boehner had a, a valid point there. There needs to be more than just tax uh, uh, increases and spending cuts. There there needs to be tax reform, and and mm-hmm. we can we can. Uh, and uh, Steve Forbes many years ago had the flat tax of the nineteen percent, and and uh, that would simplify the tax code. And Boehner has uh, implied that uh, we need to simplify that tax code because ultimately. The ordinary income taxes rates are going to go up from uh, from people who make incomes of uh, almost 400,000 from 33% to 36%, and of course um, they're um, uh, they were going to go ahead and go up for people over a million uh, would pay at least a 30% tax rate, and uh, and then of course all of the other tax increases, not to mention uh, the Obamacare. They've indicated that 70 billion dollars alone in just uh, operational expenses in running Obamacare is going to cost the average American um, who is making $40,000 or more. Obamacare will hit their pocketbook for an additional $4,000 in uh, tax increases just to pay for Obamacare. And they said the only people who are going to benefit are going to be the lawyers.
4: Mm-hmm. And, and and you know people have a misconception that this is um, that that the impact or that where the money is going to come from and all this stuff is you know that that people the wealthiest uh, one or two percent in the country that those are the ones that are being sheltered but the reality is that one or two percent is only about one or two percent of the problem okay you have a bigger picture here that no one wants to, to tackle you have a big elephant in the room. That has to be right. addressed. And and I think in 2010, right. with that Simpson-Bowles, didn't they come close to having it? And I think that Simpson-Bowles uh, was similar to what Mitt Romney was trying to bring to the table.
6: Right. And and, and ultimately, Lou, you could raise – and what's interesting about the, uh, the Democratic Party is uh, that they don't imply as to uh, what percentage is, is fair, uh, what percentage the taxes should be raised – should the top uh, 5% uh, pay uh, 50% in ordinary income tax? Should they pay 75%? Should they pay 100%? But ultimately, even if they paid 100% in taxes, it still would not reduce the $16, $16 trillion deficit uh, oh. by, uh, by maybe $500 billion at mm-hmm. most.
4: And, and that, that's and, why I uh, said that, that that's us. A- that's a small part of the issue at hand. You know, there's a bigger picture. right? And that's something right. you're absolutely right. correct that they have to, that has to be fixed. Definitely has to be fixed. You know, these entitlements, you know, it's great. You know, you have health care and, and people, you know, social security, you know, people need, you know, help and this and that. Uh, the reality is, is that you can't, you can't help um, if you're not promoting growth because all that's going to happen this country is going to be crippled. We're going to be crippled.
6: We'll we'll end up like Greece, where 75% of the uh, economy is dependent on the government.
4: Yeah, and and over there, forget about it. They're getting another bailout, and they haven't done one thing in Greece. uh, They haven't liquidated any of the state assets, but they want more money, and they'll probably get it, too.
6: Right. They 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 want a handout because no one wants to make concessions.
4: Yeah, I think they, that's their entitlement. <laughs>
6: yeah, but ultimately, ultimately yeah, there's going to have to be some some reform on Social Security. There's going to be have to be some reform on the tax code. There's going to have to be uh, difficult spending cuts. It's got to be a combination. Of uh, various uh, different programs that are all going to lead towards that deficit reduction.
4: All right. Yeah. Look, when when Reagan was in office, you know, you mentioned Social Security. Uh, I believe that he he had some Social Security reform, um, and I believe that he reduced the age, and he made it uh, you would only be able to get these benefits up until the age of 16 or so. You know, um, and a lot of people barked about it. But at the end of the day, you know, at that point in time, we there was a there was a bit you know we were doing the, the country was building up. There was a lot of growth. Um, right now, I believe with that, uh, I think the age the, the cutoff. I think it's like 21 or 23. If you're going to school, you know, if you hold someone's hand too long, you know, how I mean, at that age, you should be out, you know, um, ha- having the ability to at least uh, grow and uh, contribute. Right you know, to the economy.
6: Right. And many many companies right now feel that their, their fear is failure to resolve this fiscal cliff will tip the economy back into a recession by stifling consumer spending, damaging investor confidence, and eating into corporate profits.
4: And, and I believe that, like, right now, even as of today, John, uh, Walmart, they were going to issue their dividend in uh, late January or early February, and they opted to issue their dividend before the end of the year so that right. people won't get hit with the capital gains increase. And a lot of other companies are following suit. You know, uh, Do you think that's going to be uh, 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 a trend now as we go into the next 42 days?
6: Yeah, I think that that will be a trend, and I think after that point, uh, as it is presently, many companies, including Apple and others, are sitting on a lot of cash, and they're they're very reticent to to make any type of capital expenditures uh, for obviously fear that about the uh, the, the t- increased tax and how how that will affect that. So so there's going to be ultimately i i truly believe we're going to dip into a, a, another recession and uh and even president obama himself yet a couple of years ago implied that uh, uh not extending the bush tax cuts would in in the economy state of mind in which it was a couple of years ago would be detrimental to the economy and here we are in now in higher unemployment, lower GDP growth, and he's drawing a line in the sand to go ahead and make sure those Bush tax cuts expire.
4: Yeah, Well, I think, you know, I know, I know a couple of years ago, and I made mention of it, the Simpson-Bowles uh, a deal that they were going to uh, execute, and they just couldn't push it through. And uh, from what I understand, and I could be wrong. I don't think I'm wrong, but it was the Democrats that kind of stonewalled it and didn't allow it to go through, you know. And, and again, those a lot of those points in, in that plan, Mitt Romney, were, he was trying to bring it to the table, okay. And, look, at the end of the day, we need jobs. We need jobs. There has to be job growth. Correct. And, you know, increasing Correct. taxes and increasing entitlements, it's like, you know, you have a lot of stuff going up and out. Like, here, there's one for you. One for me, one, two for you, two for me. You know, it, it doesn't work when the money's coming in and going out because, uh, you know, if you do that in your, your normal life, you wind up broke.
6: Right. And as I mentioned on your previous show that you, you can't – President Obama yet has not learned that you cannot spend your way out of a recession and you can, you do not stimulate economic growth by raising taxes – If anything, it stifles economic growth. That's pure economics 101. And for him to go on national television and say that um, trickle-down economics didn't work and to constantly blame the previous administration when, in fact, uh, his administration is taking no blame for any of the, the, the consequences that have taken place as far as that raising of that uh, that deficit um, is uh, unconscionable,
4: mm. um, I'm not going to argue with the, you with you on that, you know, because a lot of things could have been done differently, you know, over the past you know couple of years, uh, they haven't. Granted, you know, and I, and I said this early in the show, you know, President Obama when he came to office when he was elected, he faced adversity from day one probably the worst adversity that any president has faced coming into office. So I'm hoping, and, and me, I, I'm, uh, I have high hopes that he's able to step up and uh, actually, you know, uh, change things and invoke change. And that, that's where we're at right now. We're at an impasse. You know, it's either something's right. going to get done or we're going to have a big problem. And it doesn't just affect the wealthy. It affects the middle class. It hits them directly in the head and you'll have increased poverty and that's the reality
6: right and you and, know. and and the reality is that um 97% of americans are going to feel a tax increase and for the president to say that 97% will not see a dime of their taxes go up is is pure fabrication it's it's just it's just not going to happen with the, with the With all of the expenses and and part of that issue that you just mentioned, Lou, was when Obama pushed through Obamacare, there was no bipartisan uh negotiations that was slipped under the radar by the uh, Supreme Court to vote on it as an additional tax, and it was passed without any anybody knowing what was taking place. Subsequently now we are going to pay the brunt of that. And when you have thirty million Americans that are not purchased not do not have health care at the present time, do not buy health care for whatever reason. And now you're going to infuse them into the medical system. I'm sorry, Lou, there's not enough doctors to go around to treat all of those patients. And what's going to happen is there's going to be more class warfare. The wealthy mm-hmm. will pay cash and will get better treatment. And I've already talked to doctors that have said they are going to turn away Medicare.
4: Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's their so, right. They, I mean, that's because it, you know, you're a doctor; that's your business.
6: Right, and and yeah. also small businesses. In your show previous, you were talking about small business. Well, when mm-hmm. you get to 49 employees already. Uh, the food chain, and not Chili's, but um, uh, the, uh, some of the other food chains, have indicated that they are going to cut hours, cut employees, so that they can avoid the additional cost and, the, and that they're going to incur by being mandated to rec- to uh, to take Obamacare under that additional expense.
4: So as opposed to someone working a full forty-hour week, they may be working twenty-nine hours. To avoid uh, them getting hit with that, and it's going to affect the economy, jobs, people have less income, and then their discretionary spending is not there. Uh, this is, is going to be a hell. This is going to be a hell of a ride. Uh, that I do know. Correct. Because uh, if they don't, if they don't make the right moves. You know, tax rates will rise for over 120 million households. Households. That is right. an amazing thing to me. Okay, where. Right. Right. I mean, you, you, the rate's going to go to what? Uh, I think thirty, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, five, or something like that. Thirty-nine, right. thirty-nine and, and a
6: half percent. Right. Correct.
4: Yeah. That that's incredible. That's incredible. You know. Right. And, uh, and
6: that's just on or, that's just on ordinary income. That doesn't include yeah. uh, taxes on capital gains and and what you spoke about in the real estate segment. You know, those mm-hmm. those people just doing real estate transactions are of course going to be affected. People yeah. who own mutual funds are going to be affected everybody's
4: going to be affected. Yeah. You know, once you start, you know, booking profits, I mean, if you have an investment you're not moving it, you're not realizing the gains. Unless they start changing that rule, too, and you have realized gains on paper. Um, but, you know, once you start moving money around, that's, uh, you know, you're going to start paying tax on those capital gains. But if, you, if you're just holding tight not moving money around, then the circulation of money is not helping the economy. It's just stagnant. It's just there. It's not doing anything to help make things robust. And, again, there there's so many different uh, things that are happening. And then, you know, in February we're hitting that deficit ceiling. So it's like, you know, something needs to transpire.
6: Yeah, they've said that half of the nation's 40th 40 uh, largest publicly traded corporations have announced um, curtail on capital expenditures this year and next year as a result of the of uh, the fiscal cliff.
4: That's amazing, it's amazing, and and, and that's going to stifle their growth. And you know and, these these companies, they're the ones that are hiring people. Small business, they're hiring right. people. If you don't give them incentives to grow, then really, what what service are you doing? You know, this is, you know, this is why egos and and all the the hand slamming on the table has to stop. It has to.
6: Yeah, they they talked about uh, about how the it's my way or highway type of uh, position in on on Congress and in in um, Washington has got to stop and um, um, the, you know this is going to be um, something that as you mentioned earlier is definitely going to affect uh, companies that doing hiring it, it's going to stifle uh, the, not job growth economic growth um capital expenditures and, and the the list is, just goes on and on and on.
4: Mhm. You know, I remember Warren Buffett, when you know, just talking about um uh, increased, uh taxes, you know, Warren Buffett all has always stated that he has, he has no problem, you know, paying his fair share of income tax, but you know, he's not he's not his ordinary income, you know, it, it it's shat, it's like sh- overshadowed by his uh his capital gains. So it doesn't really impact him too much. You know, it's the, the, the regular Joe. The, the the nine to five workers, the the, the middle class that is going to get impacted impact. And I, I wish, you know, with Steve Forbes and his uh flat uh tax rate uh plan, I think that makes a lot of sense. But then they're not gonna come in anywhere near doing something like that.
6: Forbes said when it's all said and done, the expectation on the average American household will be paying two to $3,000 more in taxes each year, leaving them with two to $3,000 less to spend in our consumer-driven economy.
4: And that's going to have more people looking for these entitlements.
6: <laughs> exactly. Looking... More people. <laughs> you know, more... <laughs> more uh more uh food stamp uh applications and more
4: um uh, uh um um what's um uh, um Well yeah, every you know, law Med law Medicaid, law. Medicaid, Medicaid you have ev every any any entitlement that that's out there, the welfare, you know, all all the those welfare. I mean yeah, if you have if if you have if you're taking money away from people and they can't you know meet their their obligations at home, you force them to do something, either they're going to get two or three jobs or they're going to be forced to look to the federal government for help. You know I don't know of any i mean this country we why would we want people to be the people to be at the mercy of the government? The government's there for the people, and the people have to rise exactly. and I think people should speak up and they should call their 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 congressmen call. Yes, Senators, you know, get on the horn and and tell these people how you feel because, you know, even uh, the poverty-stricken, you know, uh, areas, they think that they're not going to get impacted. They're going to get hit on the head as well. Everyone
2: is.
6: It's it's also the the payroll taxes, that program, uh, those tax cuts that we're giving for, for average Americans, they're going to see, uh, that payroll tax extension expire uh, that 's going to go up from four point two percent to six point two percent, which means there again also less money smaller paychecks and um, you know and and um, people are going to also receive smaller social security checks as well
4: yeah, and then you and you'll also have you know kids that are in school now they're, they that may be in middle school that may be in high school looking to go to college now. Not, the money's not going to be there for them to go. And if they do go, are they going to have work coming out of it? You know, maybe with the next administration, but we don't know what damage is going to take place now. You know, uh, we're, we're resilient. Exactly. And we, we spoke about it with, uh, with David Vatan earlier. We're, we're resilient people. You know, this country is resilient. However, however, you know, how much adversity can you throw in someone's face before they, they, they get to their knee and have to take a breath? And try to come back it's difficult
6: i I feel for the the kids in college coming out in this very competitive job market, and of course as as more corporations are going to be uh cutting back on uh, capital expenditures, which includes hiring, it's going to make it tougher for for those kids who are even qualified from the Ivy League schools to get jobs subsequently. All that debt that's incurred from uh getting a college education i'm afraid is going to be um, not taken care of, and there's going to be more uh students who are end up uh, uh, waiters just just to pay their their uh student loans
4: and it's like debt is like keeping it's like keeping people in debt and it's it's a form of suppression. I mean that, that that that's what it seems like to me. It's a form of suppression. And and I know there's a lot of money offshore that wants to come here, you know, but all all of this that's happening, it's going to kind of stifle that that investment that that money offshore from coming to the states. In my well, opinion.
6: I I I told my wife and in, and in, uh, the silver lining in the, in this cloud is and in my business, uh, we deal with private equity um, mm-hmm. and alternative investments. And, and as, of course, as all this is transpiring, we're, we're going to see the equity markets and the bond markets tumble because of that lack of confidence. Consumer confidence is going to be at its highest point uh, as we go through these changes. And subsequently, these markets are, are, are going to tumble. And as they do tumble, though, those people who are looking for uh, areas to invest are going to look at the private equity markets, the type of deals that Mitt Romney came out with, with Staples mm-hmm. and, and those type of companies that um, that are are going to be only available to the accredited investor.
4: Well, I think that and, you know, I think President Obama, you know, should really really think outside the box. And bring in Mitt Romney as uh, some sort of advisor on business because he needs someone in his in his stable that can actually help job growth. You know, because uh, well, he can go make all the. Him, oh. Go ahead. They,
6: they did ask him that just the other day in a news conference, and, and, he's, mm-hmm. and he kind of chuckled and said, Well, I've only been elected for a week now. And he goes, I haven't even had a chance to make a phone call to Mitt Romney.
4: You know, I mean, I I think right now that, you know, they the, the government, uh, the president, you know, Congress, and the Senate, they all have to think outside of the box because it's not a Republican or Democratic thing. Guess what? It's an American thing, and we have a problem.
6: Right. And, and calling on Jeffrey Emmel of General Electric, who paid absolutely no corporate tax last year, is is not the person to call on. Calling on a guy like Mitt Romney, who who has paid his fair share of tax um, and has has stimulated the economy with uh, with Bain Capital, and uh, he ran successfully, governed uh, the state of Massachusetts, and he implemented a health care program similar to Obamacare, but not as not as costly as Obamacare. And was able to um uh, achieve uh, a majority of the uh, uh citizens of Massachusetts uh to provide health care so you're you're absolutely correct i uh, I think that it's going to take uh, think tanks as well as other individuals uh, all the people uh to come in that ten letter word compromise
4: yep yep they 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 need they need to do that, and again you know um You look at the president, forget about Obama, just the president of the United States, that title, you know, um, you have you wear two hats. First, you're the leader of the free world. Second, you're running the biggest company on the planet, the United States. So you need some business acumen in in order to go in and keep the machine running. And And I think that's something that we've been lacking over the past four years
6: you're you're absolutely right lou and and a senator who had two years uh experience in chicago um uh, and and who was a professor previous um, uh has no domestic uh policy experience no foreign policy experience uh he's gonna need all the assistance and and he's gonna have to take advice from his uh, his mr Clinton and President Clinton himself who was mm-hmm. instrumental in coming to the middle when congress was shut down president clinton had to come to the middle to
1: work out a bipartisan agreement
4: mhm and and this is the stuff that needs to be done the, you, you know the egos have to go out the door they have to you know and i keep stressing that uh, but it just like it, it kind of riles me up a little bit when you have something like this that's not only going to impact us it's going to impact the next generation, and it's going to impact the next four years in a big way because you can, uh, so much damage can be done now that it may take us a decade to recover. It's possible.
6: Oh, absolutely. And and you're not going to see recovery, Lou, until you see that housing market start to come back and, mm-hmm. and come back strongly because that housing market creates a lot of jobs.
2: Yeah. You and
4: know, without those jobs,
6: you're you absolutely
2: right.
4: Yeah, and that's that's the thing too. The housing market, you know, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, first-time home buyers, those numbers are increasing, you know, and that's great, and it does help uh, with increasing the value of the homes uh, in a in a particular area, and it's good for the investors that own those homes. But the problem is, you have no lack of investors out there to buy, you know, real estate, whether it be residential or commercial. Okay, you do, you have no lack of buyers out there problem is is that you know uh they for them to go in and start acquiring and and start building you know what's the incentive if you're going to get hit with all these you know uh, ancillary taxes on your, your your growth you know you get rewarded for growth by getting taxed up the kazoo you know for the growth that you're you're doing and for the jobs that you're creating so uh what's the incentive?
6: it's it's going to be interesting also because the, a lot of the jobs that are created also are, are in the defense industry in states like Virginia and Washington DC and and uh, all of yeah, the East Maryland. coast that yeah Maryland that that rely on um defense spending to stimulate their economies um i i've got an 18 year old daughter and I, I admit i'm fearful for her future
4: yeah, and you have every right to be because you're, you're right, you know, uh, you know defense uh, spending. You know, you, it does bring jobs to Virginia, Maryland, Washington, even uh, Texas and California. The, the, the amount of federal employees in these states is astronomical, but that also contributes to the housing recovery in those areas. You start cutting that spending. You start, you start cutting people's salaries. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to have ghost towns.
6: Look, look what and, and, happened to Pennsylvania when the price of steel was uncompetitive, and we were buying from the Japanese.
4: Ghost town. It just it be, exactly. it became a ghost town. You know, people had no jobs; they had to leave. And I remember that because you had—I um, forget—the the mayor of the town of, of, of that town. He was trying to, re, you know, have a resurgence of the area. But the reality is, when you have your main product there. You know uh and it's not it's not uh viable you know industry for you anymore. what are you going to do? You have to reinvent yourself, and that's something they haven't done over there and I think that you know um you know if cutting the uh defense spending you know is going to be detrimental because you have a lot of people in the military they ha they de- they depend this is their this is their this is their life that's their job you cut that what are they going to do? They're going to go into the open market to go find a job that's not there. And they're going to compete with college uh, graduates that are looking for jobs that are not there. So, you know, really, what are we doing?
6: Uh, and, and my wife is a nurse, and, and uh, you know, when you look at uh, the healthcare care issue uh, more closely, um, it, is, uh, it is very disturbing uh, because it's um, – there are people that – do not have health insurance because simply they elect not to spend the money health insurance and we already have Obamacare. If you go into a hospital and you're indigent that health care is paid for by other taxpayers so mm-hmm. the need to go ahead and implement a uh, health care system that is going to raise people's taxes in order to to cover those people I think was unnecessary
4: mm-hmm. Well, yeah, definitely unnecessary. It was, again, that that was something that made no sense. Still makes no sense to me. You and know, and, could, and
6: he, he he stated to every American, it's not a tax increase.
4: Uh look at us now! <laughs> oh, look at us now! We're gonna we we have all types of issues going on here, uh, John. Uh, we're coming towards the end of the show. You know, um, I love having you on because we can go back and forth with a lot of things. Um, but do you have any? What, what are your final thoughts on um, on the fiscal cliff and what we're facing?
6: Well, I, I think that uh, I think they will. Both parties will come to the middle. They, I think, as you mentioned, there is a lot riding on this, um, and uh, I sincerely believe now that Obama's uh, President Obama is done with his campaigning and he's reelected, uh, he's 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 got nothing else but to focus on. This fiscal cliff and work with the opposing parties to to go ahead and come with the, up to, with a resolution that is going to avoid this fiscal cliff and and I think he understands that he's an intelligent man. Uh, uh, Speaker Boehner understands it. We all understand the ramifications if we don't. Um, you know, because as I mentioned before, we saw. What happens when uh, both parties in the Clinton administration couldn't come to an agreement? They shut Congress down. They shut the government down for four days. And uh, and this will be far greater, far more detrimental uh, if we don't come to this type of an agreement and and compromise, as I mentioned. uh, And I think both parties realize the need for that compromise is stronger than ever.
4: I agree with you hundred percent. Uh John, why don't you give your website before we uh we uh get off the show.
6: Absolutely, absolutely. It's very simple. It's w com. And as I mentioned, um um working with uh both those uh those private equity uh and deals and with um um, alternative investments i'm seeing already an increase in interest and levels of interest by various firms to to come up with uh, some structures to to take all of these great ideas that all these Americans have put them bundle them together inside of a, a private equity investment fund and and bring that fund to the market so The level of that I've seen escalate just in the past month.
4: And you know what? I think that's something we're going to definitely talk about next week, John, if you don't mind. Uh, We're going to really get into it because I think uh, our listeners need to hear this stuff. But, you know, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll have you on next week. And we're going to go a little deeper into the private equity sector.
6: Thank you, Lou. I appreciate uh, being on your show, and it's always a pleasure.
4: Same here. Thank you, my friend.
0: You're listening to UCW radio. In your face.
2: What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh. Have I got your attention now? Relax a word. It's
5: good. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal.
0: You're crazy. Don't run when you lose. Don't whine that hurt. You know what it takes to so sell real estate? It
1: takes brass, brass, brass,
4: brass. I-